KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next couple of hours, recapping an eventful weekend in the world of sports and taking a look ahead, uh, as we do here each and every Monday through Friday. Uh, from 10 until noon. Coming up on the program today, just one guest in the first hour. Bottom of the hour, thereabouts, Matt Rudy, our buddy from Golf Digest, will, uh, will dot I's, cross T's on the, uh, on the Open Championship, but take a look back at the majors, uh, as they, uh, wrapped up from, uh, wrapped up yesterday. Uh, terrific. It wasn't really a lot of drama, but it was fun to watch Shane Lowry and the, uh, and the home folks really get rewarded at uh, Royal Port Rush as one of their own. Sure, he grew up 180 miles away, but that was pretty good theater yesterday. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Brooks Kepka and J.B. Holmes might have been the best theater uh, yesterday as these two professionals taking some pot shots at each other uh, after the round as they played together. Uh, yesterday in the 11 o'clock hour, uh, Scott Dockerman will be here from the athletic. He joins the program at 1115 and then Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune about 1135 as we will talk Iowa and Iowa State Big Ten media days. Uh, we were all there for that and Iowa State uh, had a, a big recruiting weekend, got a really talented receiver with some amazing offers with some big name schools. So lots to talk about here today. The baseball as well. TC, we made it back from Chicago. You made it in time for Hackfest? I caught the tail end of it. Now, I didn't get to see any actual golfing going on. I was hoping maybe... I'm not sure there was any, was there? No, everybody was in the clubhouse enjoying the air conditioning after the heat uh, that they went through on Friday. But yes, still some people milling around. Chris was finishing up the Fanatics, so hung out with him for a little bit. Andrew was still out there, and uh, Keith Murphy was there, too, with his wife, so got to meet her. Good time. Got to have a a beer, too, before finally finished the, uh, the last 10 minute drive and got home after a long but fun week in Chicago. No, it was a fun week. It really was. So you must have, uh, got out of Chicago relatively quickly after the show then. I did. Yeah. I broke down the equipment. It yeah. was smooth sailing out of there for the most part, as smooth as it can be getting out of Chicago. And then it was on the road listening to a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio, did some radio hits from the road a couple of times, nice. going back, uh, during Murph and Andy and also during the Fanatics. So, Talked a lot of Big Ten football, good place to be, and I told you as you were departing for your flight on Friday, this weekend my job I was going to go through and WNL it. WNL the whole schedule, the Big Ten schedule. For every team? For every team, and see what I come up, came up with. So so when, when did you do that, when you got home? I, got, I did it Sunday, last night I did it, after uh, baseball is already over, not a whole lot else on, so... That's what I did last night. Oh, you got to get in. Well, you don't get showtime too. The loudest voice is tremendous. No, no, it doesn't do. Russell Crowe is phenomenal actor. It's a great, it's a great series. But anyway, so you went through it. You did that exercise. I did. And you have Iowa winning the West. I came up with the Hawkeyes six and three, mm-hmm. eight and four overall. Mm-hmm. Yes, I lost to Iowa State. Yep, six and three. Another team six and three. So I was probably. Um, well, um, do you have? Did you have Iowa beating Nebraska? I did, yes. Okay, so maybe that eliminates them from that conversation. We don't like Wisconsin. I love Minnesota. Do you have the, Do you have my Gophers? I do. 
I came up with six and three also for the Gophers with the Iowa having the tiebreaker there because you've got the, the Hawks beating Minnesota in Kinnick Stadium. So, so where where do my Gophers get knocked off? I have them. Oh, I I don't have the sheet here with me. I just had kind of how it all came to fruition. Loss at uh, home to Penn State. Have them winning that game uh, at Northwestern. Loss at Purdue. Loss home to Whiskey. Win. Well, the Rutgers in Maryland. What am I missing? Nebraska? Nebraska. I think okay. that was the other one. All right. Had Nebraska, Purdue, and Northwestern all five and four a game back. Mm-hmm. So Black Friday, certainly, if in this if this comes to fruition, the division title will be on the line on well, Black Friday. And that was what the Big Ten uh, Network was speculating when mm-hmm. they reached out and grabbed that game as early as they did and said, no, 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 Networks, we're grabbing this one. ABC, uh, FS1, Fox, uh, you're going to have to look elsewhere because we got this bad boy. But putting it pen to paper, I think, helped things. I mean, we we both like the talent of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. We like the schedule, certainly, for them. Nebraska, we think, is going to be better. Yeah. They're not going to be 4-8. You know, and by the way, uh, as I think back to Stephen M. Sipple, uh, and he gets a lot of criticism, I, I, I thought he was completely, well, he's always honest. Mm-hmm. But I didn't notice one bit of bias when he was with us. He, he's no. the same thing that most of the folks in our state wonder. Why is this team getting... This respect as early as there. What have they done to deserve being anointed as a top 15 team and as a team that's a clear cut head and shoulders above everybody in the Big Ten West with the potential of representing the Big Ten and maybe a top 10 team at the end of the year? It's like tap the brakes. What have they done to deserve this? That is a fair criticism. But when you look at this group of teams in the Big Ten West, who do you like more? When you combine everything together, who is the team that you think, no doubt, you should have them over Nebraska? How dare you? Pick the Cornhuskers over this team. Well, I'm starting to come. I'm, I'm starting to think that I was in that conversation. Throw you know, them on I, the hat. I, I love Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitzgerald's got a really nice team, and if Hunter Johnson lives up to even four of his five stars, <laughs> right? Uh, we love the running back Bowser. The, the linebackers are stout. Patty's a stud in the middle. Absolutely, they, Fisher's a terrific player, and he's who, not who alone. Who was it that told it? Was it Mark Morehouse that said? Imagine a six foot four Josie. That's Jewel. what he said. That's exactly how he described him. That's a good way to describe him. tackling machine all over the place, right. sideline to sideline. Right. Has great lateral mm-hmm. quickness. He he does it all. And as the anchor of things, maybe we are sleeping on Northwestern. Yeah, I think Illinois is going to pick somebody off. I like yeah. their offense. I'm not sure you know how many games they're going to win. And that might be the difference in this division. Is who Illinois? Upsets? If Illinois upsets whoever it mm-hmm. may be, that could be the difference. Well, they crushed Minnesota last year. They Remember did. that? And yes. then Minnesota Weird fired game. their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, the the new D coordinator got a ton of love uh, this past weekend. Rossi? Yes. Joe Rossi? Yep. Uh, I heard P.J. Fleck when he was on the podium and, and a, number of the, a number of the Minnesota-related questions. Rossi's name came up a ton. What he did is simplify things. What have we seen the 20 years of Kirk Ferentz, 21 years of Kirk Ferentz about defense? Simplicity. Yeah. Yep. Not a whole same lot. Old, same old. Make it simple. Do mm-hmm. what you do. Do it well. And you're going to have a chance. That's what Minnesota did. They went back to, I mean, back to the floor. Mm-hmm. We're going to build this thing back up, and we're going to do it by simplifying everything. And when they did that, they became a pretty good defensive team. I had Wisconsin, though, six. Four and five in the I don't think it's crazy, Trent. I, I, I'm with you. I think that this is going to be a year that um, look, we, we, we were there for two days. Nobody was talking about Wisconsin. No. Nobody. 
it was um it, it stuck out after a while it's like you know what dude it was everybody's not even mentioning when you ask this ask this question it's uh, Wisconsin so uh, we'll get into the Big Ten a lot more with Scott Dockerman he wrote uh, wrote a a really interesting piece on uh, Big Ten realignment which may or may not be coming Jim Harbaugh had some interesting comments regarding mental health uh, that he's getting a lot of blowback he's getting a lot of uh, you know what I, I agree with you uh, he's getting uh, both of that um, you know the back and forth between between him and Urban Meyer, but what it comes right down to for Michigan and, and Jim Harbaugh, it is time to beat Ohio State. You know, talking season, talking season is uh, is one thing, but it's time to go out there and do it on the field as most people think that they are the team to beat. All right, how much British Open did you see over the weekend? A lot on Saturday, hardly at all yesterday. You didn't miss much yesterday. Yeah. It was really... Um, the Checked Fleetwood. in from time to time, and it was just, eh, it's still five, it's still yeah. six. Fleetwood had a chance, missed some putts early in the round. Okay. I thought Lowry's bogey on one, which is going to sound ridiculous, but he made a bogey putt on one to really right the ship because he looked nervous as you know what. Yeah, uh, to start his round, but managed to save bogey and then got things back on track again. Fleetwood had a chance for a couple of putts. Brooks Kepka, J.B. Holmes. J.B. Holmes is, you know, he gets a lot of criticism, and maybe it's going to take one of the better players in the game, as Brooks Kepka did after the round yesterday, to really be critical of a, of a fellow tour player. You yes. don't see that very often. It's one thing for the television crew uh it's one thing for guys that you know former golfers to come out and say that this guy needs to speed up his game but when brooks kepka or a player of his ilk and brooks kepka is the best player in the world uh he was a hair away from finishing third well actually not a hair a stroke away from finishing third uh in our or better in all four of the majors this year which would have been an all-time record uh, as it is, he finishes in the top five in all five, or in all four majors, with joining a pretty exclusive club. But when Kepka says that J.B. Holmes needs to be ready, I mean, here here is one of his examples, Trent. When Kepka's playing, and Holmes is it's it's a two it's a two person group. When Kepka goes, there's a pretty good chance that Holmes is going to be next, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, like ninety nine point nine percent of the time, he follows. Have your glove on. Mm-hmm. Don't be reaching in your back pocket to put your glove on. You can do that while Kepka's addressing the ball. I mean, it's not like you're standing, you know, a couple of feet away from him every time. Just be ready. And it's just, he slows the game down and he takes these players out of their rhythm. And, and, and look, Holmes shot an 87 yesterday. He shot an 87. Wow. Yeah, he's in the second to last group and shot 87. That's a sticker. That was awful. Um, but I don't think too many people feel bad for him. But so that'll be one of the talkers uh, with Matt Rudy coming up at the bottom of the hour. But yeah, you didn't miss much, Trent. To no. uh, uh, Saturday was good. I mean, mm-hmm. Lowry had a round for the ages, just a spectacular round. And I was rooting for him yesterday. I yep. love the story. The storyline for know, him to lose it, it would have had to be a collapse, right? And he and he collapsed a couple of years ago uh, in in one of the PGA. I want to say uh, a couple of years ago had a big lead going into the final round and and gave it away. Uh, so it was nice to see him and do so. And the whole family's there. And mm-hmm. yeah, I had a tear in my eye, but you know, like you say, I cry at um, I cry at commercials now. But it was pretty. It was pretty good theater. And Royal Portrush, the golf course. I mean, I kind of want to go there. I never will. Yeah, but it makes you. You know, see, and see when they have some of this, the beauty shots, as they call them in TV, the old castles yes. on the cliffs. 
I looked up one of them. It starts with a D. I don't remember what it's called, but it was built in the 1300s. Wow. You know, it's just ruins now, but you can still go through it and take a tour of it. Um, I would love to be able to sit on an airplane for that time, but my wife and I, there's no way we could do it. No, no. I don't think so. I'd love to do it. Have you ever been to Europe? No, never. Never? Never been. And I don't think I'll get there. I don't no. think I will. Um, no, I would love to visit Normandy. Yes. I would love to visit both of I know the, you're big into that. Yeah, big into the war stuff. Mm-hmm. Visit the the U.S. cemetery, the Canadian cemetery. Mm-hmm. Just um, I, I would love to, but I just don't think I can do it anyways. Because you don't like travel? Just don't like the flight. I don't think I can sit still for eight hours. We're trying to get to Hawaii, my wife and yeah, I, yeah. before we're... You know, too old to, well, not with they're old, but I don't want to be 70 and trying to. But you want to get enjoy. There. Yeah. And and that's going to be, you know, about, I would think, the boundary of how far we can both <laughs> sit still. Because I can't sleep on a plane. You can't. Every time the plane has a little bit of a jerk, I'm, what's going on? Um, there's a long time I wouldn't even You get even to be fly. a nervous dude. I've, I've learned that. Well, in, in the air, certainly, certainly yeah. I'm about that. Uh, baseball, speaking of nerves. You had to be a bundle of him yesterday when oh, the Twins blew yeah. the lead again. Look at it. Here's what I'll say about this series that we watched this weekend. And I didn't see Thursday night, but I did see Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of the Twins and the A's. This A's team's a good team. Yes, they are. A bunch, for the most part, some cast-offs. Mm-hmm. Guys that, well, yesterday, Chris Herman. I remember right. Chris Herman in yeah. Twins uniform. Right. And the guy stunk. <laughs> but he came up and delivered a big double, and yeah. all of a sudden we're tied. And mm-hmm. they blow the lead. What about Trevor May yesterday throwing... 50-some pitches. Yeah. We, we did talked, he get the win? He must have, right? I think he did, yeah. He must have been credited with the win. Sure, he was on the bump when it ended. Or he was the, the last pitcher in the game. Uh, yeah, uh, or no, was that in the eighth? Yeah, he blew no. it in the eighth. Yeah, right, he did. It was Stewart that got the win. Stewart got the yeah, win. Stewart got the win. It's uh, We talked a little bit about Rocco Bedelli, his usage of the bullpen, which I think has been pretty good overall. But as things have tightened... Mm-hmm. Seems like he's getting a little bit tighter, too. The good news is the Twins, and Twins fans like myself, it's not a fact where this team just isn't hitting anymore. They'll get the bases loaded. They won't be able to get anything out of it. Or they'll get two on with mm-hmm. one out, and they just they haven't been able to come up with the big hit. Bases That's, loaded yesterday, step yes. on home plate, throw the first double play, huge. Huge. It's been that kind of stretch here, though, over the last month or so. So it, it's not panic button because they're not hitting. They are hitting. They're just not delivering with guys on, with mm-hmm. guys in runner scoring, scoring position. Those numbers have really dwindled, and, and that'll even out. I think they're fine there. What would concern you, though, more is the bullpen. But when I talk about getting the big hit, it seems like Rocco Bedelli is also now trying to manufacture where bunning guys over those types of things, things that he didn't do because he didn't have to because the team has so many guys up and down the lineup. You don't have to worry about playing small ball. He's getting tighter. His bullpen usage has been questionable, I'd say. Well, over the May, last it was weeks. May on Saturday, right? And yes. he, he, was down, he had two outs. I mean, it was. Or was it Friday? Friday, I think, for May. Was it yeah. one, of the, one of those yeah. nights? Lost um, both Friday and Saturday. Right. Um, I don't know. I think they need a bullpen piece, Trent. They don't need a, a bullpen piece. They need a couple. Couple. Yep. They need a couple. Team I, needs something. Yes. They, I think they need two arms there, certainly a lefty and a righty. I think that's the direction that they're going to go. Taylor Rogers is by far and away. Not just their best reliever. He might be their best pitcher. Jose Barrios included. That guy. When did Barrios go? Friday, right? Yes. Friday. Yeah. And he was. Five pre- and two thirds. Threw a lot of pitches. He did. He was yep. pretty good, though, but it was the bullpen that again blew that. But they have outrighted now three different guys over the last couple of weeks. They're going to be making a move. What kind of move is it? You know, it's funny you hear, oh, Madison Bumgarner and all these starting pitcher Are names. Are the Giants going to be uh, in a seller mode? Look at that. They're in the. 
They're within two of the wild card right now. There hasn't been a hotter team in baseball than the San Francisco Giants. Shows you Look the, at the ground that they've made up. The depth of the National League in comparison yeah. to the American League. And just, you're around 500, you got a chance. And they are 500. You're around 500 in the American League. In fact, right now, the Rangers are a game over 500. They're six and a half back for the second wild card mm. spot. Just the they've fallen that quickly. There. Yeah, huh? They've been awful out of the break. The A's are one of those teams that, that took it to them. Oakland is playing 570 baseball. That's their win percentage right now. They have the second wild card. Mm. The Rays playing 560 they're not baseball. They're not in they're the game back. Right. 560 baseball. You're not I in. Know. It's amazing. I mean, they're on pace right now for what, 92, 93 wins? And the Rays have, I think, the Red Sox this week. Cubs and the Giants for three. Cubs have a really interesting stretch coming up. In the next 12 games, no. In the next, maybe it's 15. So they got three with the Giants. Then they go three with the Brewers, day off, three with the Cardinals. Then the Brewers come right back to Wrigley before those pesky A's pay oh. a visit. So the, this, this Cubs schedule next little while, six of the, six of them are against the Brew Crew, the Cardinals who are playing better. They've got three at Bush. I think a week from today or a week from tomorrow, that series starts. So, uh, Cubs got a pretty good stretch coming up. Look, they're playing, the Cubs are playing good baseball. I know yesterday people were pissed off that they didn't get the sweep. Well, Cubs fans that they weren't able to, to sweep the Padres. That's not a bad ball club. No. Nope. Carl Edwards was, uh, was bad. You know who was bad this weekend? It was, you know, just watch so much what they blends to. I think yeah. it was Saturday. Addison Russell might have had the worst game of a major leaguer in history. <laughs> he was just atrocious. Uh, and look, and you can't kill him for the sun getting in his eyes, but it's more the body of work. Uh, that Russell has uh, put together over this last month or so. I mean, the throw home, I don't know what he was doing a couple of weeks ago. Um, Base running error again or mistake. Cubs lead Major League Baseball in in, in guys um, getting picked off while on the bases. Just, I think the number's 41 or whatever it is, just a ridiculously high number, but... Look, they've come out of the break, played, I think they won, what, seven out of nine after the break, mm-hmm. which is certainly good. Giants are playing good, so they head out there this weekend for that. Uh, Channel 23 has the game tonight, so uh, DirecTV viewers won't get to see that one, which something would be worked out there. Now, Fox Sports North, back, mm-hmm. speaking of your twins, yep. their uh, Dish Network subscribers are going to be in the same boat as we are as DirecTV subscribers here in Des Moines wanting to watch the Cubs when they're on uh, KCWI because Dish is about uh, their beef with um, with uh, with Fox Sports North is underway. Well, and Dish also has partnered up with a, a streaming company, Sling TV. I'm sure you've probably seen the that commercials was part for of that. the commercial. Yep. So here, so are, what is Sling? Sling is that when you take your TV on the road, right? Base. Well, and you can do it at home. It, you just hook it up to your Wi-Fi, and then you don't have a Dish, quote unquote, a little bit cheaper option. You can do it that way, and you get every channel. Um, pretty much, yeah, yeah, pretty much everything. Well, not right now though, because this is what is going away from Dish and Sling TV. These teams will be affected. The Minnesota Twins, as he mentioned, uh-huh. Yankees in the Yes Network, Diamondbacks, Braves, Reds, Indians, Tigers, Royals, Angels, Marlins, Brewers, Cardinals, Padres, Rays, and Rangers. All the Fox the Sports Cardinals entities. are off dish. Fox Sports oh Midwest. My. Fox what? Sports Kansas City. Wow. Fox Sports Wisconsin. Bye bye. Uh-huh. Dish Network subscribers. We hooked my 88-year-old father-in-law up with Dish so he could watch his Cardinals, lifelong Cardinal fan. Oh. You're telling me the Cardinals are done? The Cardinals oh. are off. I'm going to have his daughter break the news. <laughs> <laughs> all the Fox Sports entities. Every one of them. Because this is kind of all, all mixed up, as you know. 
the Fox Sportses, the regional sports mm-hmm. networks are being sold off. Right. To and, Sinclair bought them. Yes. And apparently that's not necessarily awful news. I know when Sinclair comes into some markets, doesn't make a lot of the anchors very happy because they have to read a, uh, a canned script, right? Isn't that the story? Isn't that Sinclair? Yes. I think it is. Yep, yep. Everybody reads the same thing across the entire country. Right. Uh, that's, uh, that's journalism at its finest, but that will save that for another day. So they're all off. All gone. Oh, boy. And also the S Network part of it, too. And I know there's Yankees fans that will not be happy about that. This is something that is widespread. This Mm -hmm. is something that is going to impact. I don't know subscriber-wise. I know Dish is second behind DirecTV for satellite companies, but I don't know how wide that swath is, how big that gap is. I think it's a pretty significant gap. I believe you're correct, yes, But But this might they may close the gap next year because the fight is with, with DirecTV and the exclusivity. Uh, that the uh, NFL uh, Sunday ticket package has had up until the end of this year, and it's up for it's up for renewal. I, I was listening to John O'Ran, who we need to get on here before mm-hmm. the end of the summer from Sports Business Journal. He was talking with Jimmy Traina, Sports Illustrated, uh, and that was one of the podcasts. In fact, I listened to on the way back from Chicago. Did you take the toll road, by the way? Oh, I did. Oh, I hate that thing. Oh. Yes. But it's so much faster. It is so much faster. There's way less the traffic. Yes, yes. That's the nice part I know it's a pain it. in the butt. Pull you know, there, you know there's a bathroom at those. You know there's a bathroom at those toll. Did you know that? No. Oh, I don't want. I shouldn't have said anything because no. it's a secret deal. <laughs> but it's a public one. You hop off quick. You just you pay your toll and just right there's a, there's a turn right into the building yes, on the yes, side. Yeah. And there's a public restroom in both of them. And there's, nobody's ever in there. Well, of course not. You just see the one car there that toll both Willie or right. Willette has and. Yeah. You pay them and you go over and do, you have a Do you speech. ever try and converse with the toll people? No, no. I, See, I, got, I have. I got, I got stuff to do. They're not a friendly lot for well, most of them. I get it. Try to get You're yelled at that, and angry right? people all day. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Can't, can't be a great existence dealing with people complaining. You don't want to stop. Or they don't have the change. Right. They don't want to use a card. Whatever it may yeah. be. Probably don't get a lot of nice people rolling through there. You'd be the nice guy, though. But I they, did, they didn't want to do it. No. They had no time. No, no desire. Dish Network gone. That's that's a blow. That's a big blow. Have to. Uh, I, did, I didn't realize as many teams were involved. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we get the break. Yesterday was Hall of Fame Day. What a what an outstanding class, huh? I mean, yeah. Baines, Smith, Edgar Martinez, uh, Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, and Musina. Oh yeah, yeah. Mike Musina. A uh, deep class. That's pretty. It's pretty good. Well, next year's only going to be one. It's a one-person. I will be shocked if we're in January and we're talking about the 2020 Hall of Fame that's about to be, because it is January, right? I'm pretty sure it's January they announced the class. There's one guy. One guy. And he's a first-time ballot guy. Who is it? Jita. Oh, yeah. And nobody else he thinks is going to make the cut? I don't think so. There are all the, the, this, this next year is a chance to get some guys in that have been... You know, uh, like a Burt Blylevin, for example, yeah, or yeah. a Jack Morris, mm-hmm. that you that you needed a class where it was, you know, there wasn't a lot of depth in it. But all the guys that are on that list, Trent, are Bonds, Clements. Mm. Uh, who else is on those? Th- those type of players, pa- uh, Rafael Palmero, uh, Manny Ramirez, those type of guys. Schilling. That, Schilling, but Schilling's, Schilling was never steroids, right? Was he? Well, a lot was of he? speculation. Never anything official that came out. That well, a lot of those guys is the same thing. Well, I'm looking at the list of guys that didn't make the cut. Schilling was the top at sixty point nine percent, and he needs seventy five, so that he won't he won't uh, get enough. Clemens was at fifty nine and a half. He should be in, but he won't get in. Bonds was at fifty nine. He should be in, but he won't get in. 
And you think that's going with a light class? And there's nobody else. There isn't. I mean, who who of the newcomers? Jason Giambi's eligible, but he's a he's yeah. a Reuter. Right. He's not getting in. Boy, looking at this list, Schilling, Clemens, Bonds, Larry Walker? Maybe. 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 Had a really nice career. He did. He had a, had a nice career. Aided um, by Colorado. And, yeah, for a while. Sure. Um, so what were his stops? Started as an expo. Montreal, Went yes. to Colorado. Went to Saint, Cardinals. St. Louis at the end. Yep, that's where it finished So up. it was just three teams. Three teams, yep. How long was he in Montreal? Six years. Six years. Yep. Was he there through the strike? He was his last year was ninety four. Gotcha. Yep. Um, Forty four doubles team. that year led the. Yeah, uh, that led was a majors. good team. So and and walk and and this is Larry Walker's. How many years has he been on? You're only allowed to stay on how many years? Before ten. you get, is it ten? Yeah, because Fred McGriff get, just got crossed off. Okay, so it's ten before you get sent to the veterans committee. This and is this his is, last. Well, maybe Walker. Jeter if you, Walker. If there's you your have class. to vote for two. We don't have to, but if there are people out there that just don't want, you know, one. Yes. Yeah, that 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 would be the other guys. I just don't see any of the uh, the PED class uh, getting that getting that call. Matt Rudy's going to get that call next. We'll dot eyes cross T's on the majors uh, with Matt. Look forward to doing that. Pretty good, pretty good year of major championships yes. when it's all said and done. We'll do that with Matt Rudy in the eleven o'clock hour. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic about eleven fifteen. Dylan Mont's eleven thirty five. He's with the Ames Tribune. Of course, he covers Iowa State. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station fourteen sixty. Oh. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Dot I's, cross T's, the major championships have come and gone for another year. Shane Lowry wins the Open Championship at Royal Portrush. Here to talk about that and to... Take a look back at the uh, the majors in 2019's our buddy Matt Rudy, senior writer from Golf Digest. Matt Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Matt Rudy? I'm all right. And you see Tommy Fleetwood was second. He almost did it for us. You know, <laughs> I know. He honored the guys and said he should win. And, and I said John Rahm, and he was up there, too. I, I feel like I just missed for you, but I came close. Yeah, John Rahm had a couple of really disappointing uh, start to his round yesterday. He was going to be in it. Hey, Matt, do you know Shane Lowry at all? He seemed like a really popular win. Do you know him at all? Uh, he's just a, he's a regular guy, and and I like him. Uh, I haven't spent as much time around him as I have Tommy Fleetwood, but enough time to know that those two guys are kind of cut from the same cloth. They're just regular guys. And if you saw on Twitter, I, you know, Shane Lowry went to a pub and there near the golf course and he was standing up on the table with the Claire <laughs> and dancing and singing and and showing it around to people. And I, and you know, I, I think he. Did with the Claire Jug what you or I would do with it, right? Which is you know go out and celebrate, and and it just in general, I, that that's what makes the European Tour players more fun to be around than the American players because I, you know, they're certainly professional athletes and they're different from you and I, but they uh, they process things closer to the way a, an average sports fan or golf fan would and. Um, to just you know, for example, to see Graham McDowell and how emotional he was. Yeah, uh, he's playing playing on his home course. You know, to get in on the last minute, making this forty footer to qualify, and then to play well and to be able to do it in front of your your hometown crowd, and then to to have such warmth 
for another guy, right. not a Northern Irish guy, but an Irish guy to win it. Um, there's just there's a lot more uh, collegiality and friend. You know, the close. I think the friendships are a little bit closer on that tour than they are over here. So it's you know, I think it brings some of the team aspect into it that that's missing from golf. We see in the Ryder Cup, you know, where, where you're rooting for somebody on the same side. This is where you know when the competition's done to see guys that that like each other and respect each other. Kind of high five is fun to see. Yeah, they certainly did that. There was part of me that was rooting for Lee Westwood when he was starting to make a little bit of a move on Saturday. And of course, he's, uh, you know, I'm not sure he's going to get that major championship. And there he actually had the leader, was tied for the lead at one point on Saturday. Played a pretty good uh, four rounds of golf, but wasn't enough. I was kind of rooting for him a little bit, Matt. Yeah, it's the same way people were rooting for Sergio at the Masters a couple of years ago. Yeah, good point. I, I, I think the, 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 the general feeling is if you put in your time and you know, Colin Montgomery, another good example, not, you know, Westwood is much more popular than Monty was, but if you look at Monty's body of work and nine uh, order of merit with, you know, money list wins in Europe. And, and that was a guy whose career justified being a major championship and he never got it done. I think Westwood, that's a good, a good way to describe it. His body of work across his career is the guy who deserves to have a major. And it, and it would have been nice, to see, I was I was rooting for Fleetwood just because, you know, selfishly he's been on our cover recently and he's a good guy and he's 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 a fantastic player, and um, he's kind of more the future than Lee Westwood is. But it, it it would have been a popular win if Westwood would have gotten it then. Matt, we're going to get to it early. Tiger Woods misses the cut. Time to rein in our expectations, reconfigure kind of how we think about him. Augusta was great. The Masters was wonderful, but. At this part, the way his body is, what should our expectations be going in every year? Hope for one good run well, out of the four majors. You know, we I think I've, I've talked about it on your show a lot. We've talked about it this, this year, which is I think you can directly correlate which Tiger Woods we're going to see based on the temperature. Number mm-hmm. one, if it's you know if it's wet and in the fifties and low sixties, that's just not a place where he's going to thrive because the hurdles are too high to get loose and to feel good in his body. Uh, he hasn't played much golf. It's, it's not that it's, it's not that he's worn out. It's not that his body's hurting from hitting millions of balls. I just think he can't play quite enough to to be as sharp as he would want to be. So it takes a particular combination of factors: the golf course he loves, the warmer, warmer weather. He obviously is a mentally tough player, and he, there's no give up in him. So I think he's he's like a lot of other tour players. Which, you know, there's, I think there's a group of 40 players in the world who are fantastic and in a, in a given week when things are going right and they're feeling good they can win a, a major there's just a couple of guys that are above that tier now brooks Koepka is a good example a guy that it doesn't matter what golf course it is it doesn't matter if it's rainy or, or sunny or hot they, you know that the, the players in that tiny group of which tiger used to be the dominant one those are the guys where it doesn't matter you know sign up put your name on the scorecard and show up and that's the guy who's going to win he's just not in that category anymore Hmm. Uh, Brooks Kepka, you mentioned uh, uh, what an unbelievable year, and we'll get to his year in in, in a second. At least the uh, the majors uh, in a second. But after the round yesterday, uh, Kepka said what a lot of I think his, his peers wanted to say by calling out JB Holmes in his slow play. Kepka mentioned, "Look, if when it's when it's my turn to hit, at least you could be putting your glove on because you know you're <laughs> going to hit next." And then uh, following, I, I guess once Holmes got word that Kepka said that, he takes a shot at Kepka saying he was playing like. 
like he had a you know a gallon of ice cream in the car and wanted to get back to it before it melted. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Holmes has been, uh, a lot of people have been critical of Holmes, but when one of the best in the game comes out and says it's time for him to change the way he's doing business, will that, will that be enough to make a change? No, absolutely not. I, I, I had two conversations over the last couple of days. The one is on Twitter with a buddy of mine who's the beat writer for the Chicago Tribune. Jamie Holmes knows he's slow, but at this point he's going to lean into it because look at what it does to the guys he plays with. It's an advantage. It's an advantage to push people out of their their comfortable place and to make them play where they don't want to play. And so if there's no penalty for him to do it, he's going to do that because it increases his chances of winning. And I was talking to another a top teacher this morning for, for another story I'm doing, and he said, uh, you know, asked me the same question, and I said, it, you know, for Kepka, it was like it's like being a jockey and having to carry a whole other person around on the horse and try to win a race. And you know, Kepka rightly said, "Hey, that, that's my lot. If I, that's the guy I draw, I've got to, you know, I've got to stay in control of my own game." But, but really, it's a it's a gigantic disadvantage if you're the fastest player on tour, which which Kepka is. You know, to play with a guy who's the slowest player on tour, and not only that, he's shooting 87, which takes a long time. Right. So those two things together are they they make for a, a pretty steep mountain to climb when you add in all the other things that you have to try to to, to deal with when you want to win a major kepka created a firestorm when he said he only practices for the majors everybody took that and ran he is not the most likable figure out there it just for whatever reason his personality is never it's never meshed with the at least the golf public it doesn't seem at this point is he becoming a villain maybe not a, at the same rate as a Patrick Reed, who is likable seemingly to everybody, but is that kind of where we're heading with Brooks Kepka, a guy that will be easy to root against? You know what? I, I don't think it. I think villain is probably too strong of a term. I, 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 there's no question he's cultivating an attitude. You know, he wants to be seen as kind of the the dark assassin. You know, the you know, what did they call Matt Harvey when yeah. he was pitching for the Mets? Wasn't he the Dark Knight? I mean that's that's the kind of thing he was going for with the Mets was to you know get it when he got up on the mound, it was intimidating and and there wasn't any sort of the, you know the jolly backslapping happy happy stuff that that we see from some of the other players you know and and to be honest Tiger was a lot like that Tiger was not anybody's friend he wasn't giving out hugs he wasn't giving out right. handshakes on Wednesday morning that just wasn't you know, he he wanted to cultivate this invincibility and this this hostility that made you think about him instead of thinking about what you were doing. And uh, I, I think it, it, this is closer to what Brooks Koepka is like in real life. He's not a, a, a real uh, outgoing guy. I don't, I don't mean that as a criticism. I actually have a lot of respect for how Brooks made it onto the tour. He didn't get his card. He went to Europe and played in the European Challenge Tour and lived in a little, you know, when, you know stayed in the hostels and, when you found out places to go eat in all these random European cities and lived a life that a lot of PGA Tour players never live their whole life because they go straight from being coddled college players to being coddled professionals. And so I think he actually has more perspective than most tour players do. And I think he's using that against a lot of the players that aren't mentally tough. You know, the, if the weather gets a little bit bad, if the lies get a little bit sketchy, if things don't go exactly right with the courtesy car, there are players that are folding up and moving on to the next week. And he is trying to exploit that as much as he can by getting them to be thinking, oh, my God, does he really not practice? This game this game's hard for me. How can it be so easy for him? He's, he's, he's achieving exactly what he set out to do. And now we're at a point where he finishes fourth 
and we're talking about how it wasn't really a great week for him in a major. I mean, that's, mm. that's a pretty pretty dramatic uh, change of station for any athlete in, in professional sports where being the fourth, fourth best in the world is a disappointment. A couple more minutes with uh, Matt Rudy, senior writer from Golf Digest. Matt, uh, this one snuck up on me. Xander Shoffley was found to have an illegal driver in his bag prior to the tournament starting, I believe is when they caught him. Uh, I guess they randomly select, I think it was the number was 30 of the participants yeah. in this year's British Open. What kind of edge was he trying? I mean, obviously he's looking for him in distance, I would think, but how was he doing? It was never really explained what was illegal about his driver, and is there any well, punishment other than the embarrassment? I, I don't think he was trying to cheat, number one. Um, the thing you have to understand about modern drivers is that the manufacturing tolerances are are super, super tight. I mean, these are basically NASA scientists who are making these drivers, and not just for the tour players, but for everybody. So they they design the drivers to be right up to the limit. And so if you get one that's just a tiny bit off because in the foundry in China where they made it made a mistake or something like that, it can be just a fraction over the limit. And also the other thing is as you play with the driver, if you, if you use it for a couple months, playing with it can change the playing characteristics so that it could just be a little bit more springy in the face, which is what how it was deemed non-conforming. The, 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 they drop a little metal thing on a, like a pendulum on the face. And if it bounces off a certain amount, it's, it's too springy. And it just barely failed. And um, I, I don't think he was, number one, I don't think he was cheating on purpose. And number two, the amount that it failed, I think they said would have a 0.75 yards, you know, mm. 0.75 yards of difference in how far he hit it, which is, you know, you know it's not a, just, you know, it's negligible. So uh, I think he's right. If you're going to test people, you should test the whole field. And number two, if you're going to leak who failed, then, then pr- publish a list of everybody's driver who didn't didn't comply, and then you know the, the challenge isn't so much the, the the embarrassment; it's when you're getting ready for a major, and on Wednesday afternoon you have to pitch your driver that you had, go find another one, and get used to it before you go play a super important tournament. That that was the challenge. Gotcha. He actually handled that part of it pretty well. All right, Matt, we're going to get you out on this one. It's a little bit of odd question, but I was listening to a roundtable before the British. They're talking about five young guns, and, and all five of the guys picked these guys to be the next young gun to win a major. Ricky Fowler, of course, still hasn't got there. Now he's 30. Mm-hmm. Tony Fina, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, and Tommy Fleetwood. We know you love Fleetwood. And Fina's good, too. All those five Fina's guys, great. Yeah. you feel like all five will win a major. If you had to pick one that will not win a major, though, what oh, direction Ricky, would you go? Sure. Yeah, Ricky Fowler, without a doubt. I think huh. he's the fifth. Of all those players, he's the fifth best. And... He has the he has the, the lowest amount of firepower out of those five. Xander Shoffley is a fantastic player. Not only is he a terrific player who's long, he's not afraid. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't shrink when the, the lights turn on. Rom has as much physical talent as anybody in golf. Tommy Fleetwood hits his irons better than anybody in golf. I mean that, that's a that's a formidable group of, of players and they're all fantastic. And if those guys, minus Ricky are the ones that are carrying the torch for you know major winners into the next 10 years. The sport's in a good spot, for sure. Mm. Uh, give me 20 seconds on, on this, Matt. We'll remember this, uh, the 2019 majors, more so for Tiger winning a Masters, Kepka's domination, Shane Lowry, I don't remember, uh, Woodland, I think is his name, won <laughs> the U.S. Open. Uh, but what's the biggest story of the majors? Is it Tiger by, it's not even close, or Brooks Kepka makes it a little tighter? You know, Tiger was a big deal. It was a big deal because people who don't care about golf yeah. knew that that happened. That's going to historically going to be the big thing. And, and I think um, 
we've talked. I know I've talked about it with you guys for years and years and years. The best major championship, and it's not even close, is the British Open. Yeah. And if you look at what happened, I mean, forget about the winner, but just look at the golf course. It's a place that nobody had played since the fifties. And you, and if you look at what Portrush presented and how it looked on TV and what the players thought about it, and it was universally mm-hmm. beloved. There wasn't anybody who said there was anything wrong with it at all. And just think that that place wasn't good enough to have a British right. Open for the last fifty years. And and it looks different on TV. It presents different challenges. They don't get all bent out of shape if the scores are too low. They let the weather take care of that. Everything about it is is super fun to watch and and to see how much the people there enjoy it and what the lifestyle is like around the game. That's the best major. That's the takeaway. Tiger and the British Open is the best major of the four. I agree with you on both counts. I want to go visit. I think it was Don Luce Castle that was built in the 1300s. It's in ruins. They just showed that in some of the shots from this uh, weekend at Royal Port Rush. It was great television. Matt, you've been great to us as always. We appreciate it. Perhaps we'll find some time to talk. To the When's the FedEx Cup? It's coming up uh, late August? Uh, they're pretty much, I think they have a week off and it starts. I mean, wow. I there's only actually or two weeks. I think there's three weeks left in the season. It's it's pretty much wow. right now. Well, good. Well, Michigan State doesn't play Iowa this year. Be, you know, we can't get you on to talk about that. So thank you, as always, for what you do for us. Appreciate it, Matt Rudy. We'll talk to you down the road. Okay, bud? You bet. You good bet. Talk yeah. to you. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, senior writer. Um, been on the program for for 20 years. Yes. He's really, really good, and I really appreciate the relationship. We'll take a time out. We'll come back, wrap up the hour. In the 11 o'clock hour, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. By the way, Wisconsin got a an assigned athletic writer oh, here today. Oh, you know what? I'm going to stop right now. Speaking of the athletic, mm-hmm. you're a Bears fan. I am. We have a whole lot of Iowa State fans in the listening audience. Yes. There is a phenomenal piece it's a long piece on David Montgomery, the posted this morning at the Athletic. Ooh, it's a terrific read, just about about the person growing up and and the mark that he's left, literally everywhere he's been, whether it's high school, whether it's an Eagle Scouts. We know what he did at Iowa State. We have a pretty good idea what he's going to do with the Chicago Bears. And I'm not talking about on the field. Yeah, I'm talking about what he does off the field. He's really good on the field. Mm-hmm. He's a great human being, um, and you'll appreciate this article at the Athletic on. Your bear guy. Yes. Rooting for David Montgomery. Hard, hard not to. It's it, You're exactly right. Yep. Going to be, uh, and they have big expectations for yep. him. I would root for the, I would root for David Montgomery if he was a Kansas City chief. How about that? That says a lot right there. Absolutely. We'll come back, wrap up the hour. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. All right, final couple of minutes of the 10 o'clock hour here on a Monday with Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Now, where are you tomorrow? You're doing high school softball? I am, yeah. Going to be heading up, in fact, right after we finish up to beautiful Fort Dodge in Harlan so Sports got, Park. You've got work today. Yes. Uh, first match uh, game that I'll be calling this afternoon, 3 o'clock. I'll take the air and uh, taking all the way up till the late session this evening. So calling some softball. And where are those games found at? Uh, you can find them on the Iowa Girls High School website. Just uh, search for that. You can find it. They have the video link for each and every game. Locally, in fact, Collins Maxwell, the number one seed in Class 1A, just up the road from us. And uh, Rob tomorrow, Luther, the principal at, uh, yes. up there. Yeah. Tomorrow it'll and be... And did he win Hackfest? Did you see the results of I Hackfest? didn't see, no. I thought I saw him. In fact, I know I saw Rob Luther. He's a really good guy. Football coach. 
uh, at CMB for mm-hmm. the longest time before they they split, right? Yes, yes. Uh, but still, I, I, I still coach in football and a good dude. I think he was part of the winning foursome. Nice. What did they shoot? Did I don't you see? Know. Didn't see? I don't think didn't they see a, a score. I don't think they did. If I was there. My team would have throttled them. I'm sure. Um, so when you got to Hackfest, there was a few people hanging around. A few people hanging around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of people still there finishing off, polishing off the. Uh, the Coors Light keg that they had for nice. everybody there. Nice. I helped finish that off before uh, Good. last couple of glasses of it, and uh, got Chris that wasn't but... into it, was he? No. <laughs> uh, by that point, he was into the Red Bull and vodkas. <laughs> as was AD. <laughs> They were. They needed some caffeine. It was late in the day. It's <laughs> good. That was a hot one out there. Must but have been. Everybody was good. You know, I know there were some concerns, heat stroke and those types mm-hmm. of things. But they had plenty of water. I think they had some other like Powerade type stuff out there. They did a really good job. It sounded like keeping everybody hydrated and a great time on top of well, it. Well, I'm surprised you were able to race back as quickly as yeah, you did. I was happy. I was happy to get back and be able to see the guys and see the golf course and and how everything went down. Next year, though, I just got a text. Fifty-six was the winning total, and Rob Luther was part of it. Fifty-six, so fourteen under. I don't know what the par is. Yeah, the copper I don't know if it's thirty-five or thirty-six. I eh, probably wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Would have really had to stack the team up. But next year, I'm going to be a part of it. Well, it depends on Big Ten Media Day. Well, maybe Hackfest will be a different weekend too. Maybe, perhaps, maybe perhaps. not as late in the summer. Did you find yourself? Because I did having a little uh, boy. I wish I would have gone to Big Twelve Media Days early and then made it a whole week. Because I feel like yeah. I know really. Yes. I, mean, yes. I feel like I have a dangerous amount of knowledge now in the Big Ten. You're right. Whether I do or whether I don't, I probably don't. But, but you feel like you have yes. a sol- more solid base. Absolutely. Oklahoma State. I still have no clue. I did, I, well, the quarterback's better than I thought he was going to be, so there I'm going to give them a chance because I didn't think they had a quarterback at all. But their defense stinks. And no, it stunk a year know. ago. And, and but they fired Oklahoma the coordinator. State, TCU. They got six quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to have a better read on them. And, and that's. But we should have double dipped. Absolutely. We should have. Next year? Well, you just told me you're not coming next year. Going well, to it depends on what Hackfest is. Uh, we'll come back with the 11 o'clock hour. We're going to talk Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, Scott Dockerman will be here at 11.15 from the Athletic. Dylan Montz from the Ames Tribune at 11.35 as we take you up until noon. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.